right, so welcome. We we did it. <laughs> we made it to the. Although Rivers has said uh, this this is not the end of Weezer. This is just the beginning of an, another era. So this isn't the end, but we made it to the foreseeable end of the Weezer discography. This is what's with my homies dissing my band. And contrary to popular belief, we're not here to diss Weezer. Well, you know, you've, you've listened to 10 episodes of this. We're not going to be bashing Weezer. We're just going to be figuring out what the heck is going on. And I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to actually give this one uh, a listen just because it's fresh ears. But I am Pat Doherty. I'm Charlie Van Steed. Today we've got Michael Rowland from the band Dermot. Hello. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Mike is uh, was introduced to me uh, via social media from Yua Vang. Who she, did Red. Who did the us. Red record with us. And she said, you know who would be a good guy for your podcast? This guy's been on the Weezer cruise. This guy's got, an, according to him even, an, an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of, of Weezer. And so I think we're going to take all of these questions and all of these <laughs> philosophical conversations that we've had over these 10 episodes. Of which we have many. And, and fire away a couple of missiles. Uh, he's, he's showing us right now the Weezer fan club card. It looks homemade. I don't believe it exists. But it's it not, does. It's not. <laughs> uh, so so Weezer, Weezer doesn't have like a Kiss Army. No, it's type. fantastic. No, they do. I do. He's, he's got his own number. Oh, wow. It's an official. I'm a card carrying fan club member. Uh, that's their fan club. It's kind of hard to sign up for, but. Is it this really? Is, Why is that? Um, you have to be a Weezer historian. Yeah, no, it's. I think they have a link for it on Weezer.com now, but this was made by their um, fan club. Uh, I don't know what you would call her, but she's like the queen of the fan club. It's Lisa, and she is awesome. But this is my dog. I'm there. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's, I just, I just wanted incredible. to. Could you not get him to jump like the Ratitude dog? Is that... <laughs> He's a bulldog, so no. Uh, just wanted to show my credentials for this episode. We, you know? we appreciate it. It's that laminated sure. and everything. Uh, it's I pretty mean, good. Now, have you I ever... mean, if that's fake, you could fool me. So. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you ever actually met the band before? Uh, yeah, a few times. A few times. That's exciting. Well, we're get, we'll get into that. But first, I want to just ask you the first time you heard Weezer, how, how were you introduced to them? Well, my most vivid memory, um, my first memory of Weezer is probably the Buddy Holly video. Mine too. Well, well not quite, but close. Hash, and, hash pipe video, right? <laughs> well, it was. I remember. I, I remember seeing the the. I, I think the, the junior high story where my friend of the bus's older brother had like a Weezer jacket, and I thought they were like cool and dangerous, and that video was on, and I really liked it. But I didn't get into them until Green. I didn't put the pieces together. That it was the same band until college when the green came out but then um well that's my first memory but then my dad bought uh blue when it came out and spun it in the car all the time so i always have had that album spinning uh throughout my life mm -hmm. and he also had pinkerton um didn't notice any of the lyrics but <laughs> the uh <laughs> you know across the sea and pink triangle but, right yeah um no but i i just have always um been listening to them and i sort of went through a progressive metal phase for a bit there. Um, As did Rivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No, I, Dream Theater, Opeth. Sure. Um, yeah. Then I came back to Weezer near um, 2006, um, saw the Perfect Situation video, uh, heard the guitar solos in that, and you were there, into it. I came back. I came back. Now, how many times have you actually seen Weezer, Weezer live? 
you know you've seen a band too much when you can't answer that without thinking really hard. So sure, just a second. Would you say over fifteen? Uh, over nine thousand times. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, <just> that's <laughs> that's yeah. a different podcast. That's funny because Pat's <laughs> seen them ten thousand, right? Is that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so have you been to the Weezer Cruise once or twice, three twice. times? There's only been three, there's, right? There's been two. There's been two. Okay. I've done these things called memories shows where they play. Um, <clears throat> the first night is blue, the, the right? blue album. Yeah, and the second night is Pinkerton. So that adds to my total kind of artificially um <laughs> but that that kind of like w- was I coinciding swear, I'm just picturing a really sad like all right welcome to hurley night <laughs> yeah. it's, only, it's only the first two, <laughs> oh, only the first two. <laughs> yeah no. but it kind of coincided with the uh, re-releases right and the remastering mm-hmm. of, of the uh, two records for pinkerton for blue blue came out in 2004 but pinkerton the remaster came out in 2010 mm-hmm. and then the first show of the memories tour was late 2010 so it was sort of for pinkerton and then they did blue because they knew they would sell tickets for that one for sure Mm -hmm. so uh can you tell us about the first time you met weezer um uh i i was posting on a forum for weezer called all things weezer it's not the official forum Mm. um is it the most uh, widely respected forum, would you say? No, I don't know about respected. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the nerdiest. It is the internet, so that's res- respect is right. a, is a well, respect <laughs> within the context of the Weezer community, as you would say. I mean, you, yeah. you have a card for sure. Yeah. There's got to be a community, right? There's a community. There's like a, there's two separate subsections, but I'll I'll get to that. <laughs> okay. There's there's angry, bitter Weezer fans, and then there's uh they can do no wrong. Weezer fans. Um, and then there's us. Yeah. And, then, and then there's like <laughs> casual <in> people. <laughs> Lost in space. People who have a life. No, I'm just no. kidding. Um, <laughs> but I was posting on that forum a lot, and I got a message from someone asking if I was going to be in L.A. for the first memory shows. Uh, and I said, no, I'd be in Chicago. And they asked if I would be VIP or regular. Um, and then... Um, I guess I sort of realized that it was someone close to the band. Um, and I said, I, I sent a follow-up message like, hey, why were you asking me that? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I sent it like a month later. And they were like, um, I'll, I'll get back to you about it or something. Oh, that must have been exciting. Yeah. It was butterflies. It, it was nuts. I like was telling everyone at my at the college I was going to, like, I think uh, someone from the band was trying to contact me. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, the day of the show, I went to the Chicago Blue and Pinkerton show. <clears throat> um, I got tweeted at uh, asking if I wanted to, um, you know, I can't even remember the exact message, but it was it was asking if I was there. And then River's assistant um, came into the crowd in front of all these people and gave me um, a VIP sticker. Wow. Yeah. We're not worthy. And you still have that sticker, I bet, don't you? No. No? <laughs> oh, come on. No. They degrade so quickly. Oh, such a shame. The mosh pit was so intense. Yeah. I you can lost. laminate the card, but when you it like, comes yeah. to the sticker, it's... <laughs> well, did the card come laminated? That would, that would be... <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't know. there's been so many stickers, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. No, um, but yeah, so um, I talked to um, her for a bit, and then after the show... I saw someone else who I posted on the forum with. His name is Ryan. He's a good friend of mine. We talked for a bit, and actually, we have the same last name. Oh, so, wild. Yeah. yeah. 
So both you and Ryan will be hating our show, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think so. There's two types of Weezer fans. Yeah. What? You either I'm, love them or you hate them. Yeah. Or, uh, I don't, I, oh my uh, God, you're going to be rolling your eyes a lot. I would, consider, I, I would consider ourselves enthusiastically confused. <laughs> Weezer fans. There you go. But um, no, Rivers is actually a really... Uh, cool guy to fans when you when you meet him he's really he seems that way he's interested yeah. in what you have to say um he really made an impression on me because he listened to like my he asked for my opinions on stuff and cared and well, like what like what kind of things were was he do you feel comfortable talking about that or did, is that a little uh, weird did he mention it was just there was this one moment where he asked your opinion about Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you like it or yeah and it, yeah real softball question no um He's he, like, he had do you stopped. think people like the blue record if I played that in full? <laughs> <laughs> um, he had stopped playing guitar on the song Falling For You okay. on mm. Pinkerton. And I had just casually asked, hey, why did you stop playing guitar on that song? It was the only song in the set that he didn't play guitar on, and it's my favorite guitar solo uh, in the Weezer catalog. Really? Yeah. And so he, he said, oh, well, I wanted to give Josh Freese and Pat a chance to come back out because Pat was playing drums for the Pinkerton album, but then... Josh Fries was playing drums for the first set. There's so many complicated explanations for this stuff. But anyway, huh. um, and then he said, but what do you think? And I'm like, huh? Yeah, you're <laughs> like, like, he yeah. kind of put me on the spot. And he That's goes, incredible. well, I'm not, yeah. too, I'm not too attached. What do you think? And I said, well, uh, I really like when you play guitar on it. And there's this video from 1996, which like saying that to any other artist is kind of like, what are you doing? But there's this video from 1996 where you're getting really into it, and you look super cool. And he's like, oh, can you send me that video? Wow. <laughs> so, so, he, so you have, like, his personal email account you're able to reach out to? No, no. no but he's, well, I'm, he sure, was, I'm sure you could tweet <clears throat> the assistant He's got, again. like, the firewall Gmail yeah. account. <laughs> Rivers, second acquaintance to, at gmail.com. Yeah, it's uh, weezer.fake <laughs> at gmail. <laughs> at the time, he was posting on weezer.com a lot, and everyone mm. was posting comments on his profile every day. Um, but I, I sent him the video and then it must have gotten lost or something in the shuffle because he was busy, you know, playing shows at the time. Yeah. yeah. But he um, messaged me a few weeks later saying, where's the falling for you video? <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> nice. So that's my first you know, time meeting him. It was super yeah. cool. Just super nice. And, and uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it does kind of go along with what we've perceived as some missteps have been made because... Um, and you may disagree with this, but mm. it has been because of his concern about what people think about Weezer. Yeah. And some of it is reactionary to what the last record did. But, but it never, um, I never got, I never was struck that he's a, he's kind of a, a dick as much no, as just kind of no, like not at all. insecure, but, right. I, but you know, yeah. um, there, there was one period where he was trying to be kind of a dick to fans, which was 2002. Um, there was the Rivers Cuomo correspondence board. He would post stuff about how the old stuff sucks, um, <laughs> how his fans are little bitches and whiny, and and he was just trying to it's piss people ironic, off. Pretty ironic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Weezer, you know, that's that's yeah. the type of fans you're gonna get. Stop whining yeah. at me. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh no, but he's he's learned from that. You know, he's he's uh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think he's ever done something to intentionally. Uh, piss people off, at least in regards to the music since then. 
Well, it's we always feel for him because I think in a way this record that we're going to be tackling today is maybe the first record in their career that's been positively reviewed. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. counting the Blue record, which was monumental, but I don't even know or, that it or was... Or at least by critics, because it seems like right. every every record has its has its fans. I mean, I've, I've even seen people coming out of the woodwork where like... Mm. Let's let's stop bashing Ratitude. It's not that bad, guys. You know, like, I, but I, I, don't I think know. let's ask Michael about that. I don't know. <laughs> but I, but I think critically he declined doing that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would I would say it's my least favorite. But is it really? I still I still stand by Make Believe as being my my least favorite. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I, um, I that's my least favorite because for personal reasons because <laughs> we did it three times yeah <laughs> for i mean i have a vendetta against so, that record now but i mean as far as song quality i, I would put make believe sure. a little bit above ratitude so so what were your imp- do you have any relationship with carl at all as far as like uh he's kind of the mouthpiece for the band right in a lot yeah. of ways yeah i was the moderator for weezer.com for a little while i think i still am <laughs> <laughs> I think I still am. Wait. Whoops. Wait, well, well, uh, gotta hold check on my a second. <laughs> are, are you on the Weezer payroll? No. No. We so, but you're is okay. Wait, 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 hold on. So I you're don't the need it. you're the moderator for Weezer.com's forum. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that I'm kind of floored by that. Yeah, actually, I, I had a yeah. I mean, well, it's not as active as it used to be. Okay. Um, but did is it, that your fault, Michael? Did it get a lot of traffic when I was everything just the would be iron... right in the end came out? <laughs> no, like... I I was just the iron uh, hand. I don't know what you would call it, but <laughs> sure. I just I just drew, drove everyone away. No. Yeah. Um, uh, f- when everything will be all right in the end came out, that's when the fan club started. Oh, okay. And there's a Facebook group. And that's kind of where everyone is posting now. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Well, besides, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Besides all things Weezer, which is the forum where people can post, you know, unfiltered. Because Rivers reads the fan club. You don't want to be, like, too much of a jerk on there. Um, just because... Because we might get another Ratitude. <laughs> no, I mean, but it does kind of like what kind of person signs up for a Weezer forum. You're paying money and, to do yeah, it. <laughs> right, just to talk oh, yeah. crap about it and be like, yeah. I paid um, this monthly amount just to tell you that you haven't put anything good out since Pinkerton. Yeah, but once again, it's it's the <laughs> internet. I mean, the, there right. are people who actually will piss away $20 just to do that. Now, did you have to dig through all of this stuff when you would get things posted? I mean, being the moderator? Um, dig through all of what stuff? Well, like, if people were putting unnecessarily negative comments on there. Or oh, right. Like, um, yeah. People so, will about this podcast, yeah, for sure. That's right. Uh, I, would, I would have to email Carl about certain things and mm-hmm. ask him what to do, um, just because there was a certain problem user who would occasionally become unstable and post a lot of threads about Weezer being an oldies act and... Um, not making a new album from 2010 to 2013 this guy just really needed weezer to put out a new album um and they just wouldn't do it oh wow (laughs) it was my job to babysit this this it is pretty unfair (laughs) he deserved that album (laughs) i don't know i think he's a mumford and sons fan now right but did did you find did you find working uh or did you you end up saying everything will be all right in the end i was i was was too late yeah (laughs) unfortunately but he but carl was pretty receptive to you and it seems to be a reasonably i don't know i'm not trying to fish for negative negativity well no carl is (laughs) awesome he's a really nice guy knows a ton about music has a huge vinyl collection Mm -hmm. um just a really funny 
personable, great guy. Like, Weezer has a ton of people working for them that are just, from what I can tell, just super nice, awesome people. Sure. Um, it's not like, um, I don't know, they're surrounded by yes men or anything. Like, mm. they're they're real people who are, um, they're all invested in the band doing really well. Um, whereas, like, someone like Prince, you know, if if you say something to Prince... Um, the wrong way, you're fired. <laughs> River, right. Rivers is okay yeah. with people busting his chops every once in a while or what have you. Mm-hmm. Well, it, se- it seems like in recent years, Rivers has been focusing on meditation, positivity, too, and you know, trying to actively work on creating a positive atmosphere, yeah. or at least the WTF episode with him interviewed. I, I got Good that. Episode. I, I got that kind yeah. of feeling. Yeah. So, so when you heard... Um, this new record for the first time did you feel like the reviewers and the and and the people who were writing things about how this was a return to form because we've talked about how yeah. almost every review we read is this is a return to form yeah every every positive <laughs> review is return to form yeah, just or, like the blue record <laughs> or it ain't like these albums and that's why i hate it right mm-hmm. and even this one you couldn't you couldn't get away from that, and everyone, for the most part, a lot of the critics were saying great things about the record, but a good 80% of those reviews were just like, return to form. It really does feel like 90s Weezer all over again. Well, that's just uh, critics being lazy, I, I think. Yeah. Um, for Weezer albums, I try to listen to them and not think about the first two albums just because... It doesn't feel very fair to them um, artistically. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about the the concept of Weezer 1.0 and then Green Record on as kind of a Weezer 2.0. And context shapes content. I mean, like, why why do we as fans think we have the right to put them in this box? Which is why we're here in the first place. Like, we've been giving all these records an honest shake, which, I mean, not pointing any fingers, but I feel like... a healthy chunk of the, I keep saying healthy chunk, but a, a large portion of your average going music public has been just kind of panning these records without even picking yeah, them up. Yeah, that was the, mm-hmm. yeah, the idea. And and I also just thought about the idea that what other band would, if, if everybody hated them that much and didn't care about Weezer after two records, mm-hmm. seven records later, like there's not other bands like that, like no. Toad the Wet Sprocket isn't written about every <laughs> record they put out. Like no. it's not... You know, like Rolling Stone and yeah. Pitchfork and what Stereo Gum, they all pick up. For? Yeah, they all pick up the yeah. new record mm-hmm. and have a review to put out immediately. This, this is a conversation for next season. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What other bands does this happen? There's there's something about Weezer that still draws people to them and has has them listen intently and go, you know, I liked that, didn't like that. Yeah. Um, every album is sort of a take what you like and leave the rest behind ordeal not ordeal but uh thing with this album um i don't really do that as much as i have for the last few records um you asked if i thought it was a return to form uh it definitely feels like the most cohesive thing they've done since i guess you could say make believe because that's cohesive Mm -hmm. what did you say so 
Right. That yeah. There was a certain vibe that they were going for. Completely. Mm. I, yeah. And actually going through Death to False Metals, I was a, I was kind of like quizzing Pat as we yeah. were going through the songs going, what what era do you think this was recorded in? Right. And he was pretty much able to nail almost every one of them because mm-hmm. they do each have their own flavor. They even really if do. It, even if it fits in kind of this larger context of this Weezer 2.0 kind of cleaner, more produced sound. And there there is something so, about this band that every time they... I was excited to, as exhausting as this process was, to go through and dissect all ten records. Um, I actually was really looking forward to it because they are a band that has this magnetism where, yeah, they've had some critical flack, but I found myself rooting for each record. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe this will be the next pop masterpiece. Like, I really wanted to be surprised, and I was, and also disappointed well yeah but that ludicrous idea of like how can a band put out two amazing records supposedly i mean this is just you know mm-hmm. theoretically and then put out seven garbage records that no one is willing to That's give preposterous uh, and like, you can you can say that about every possible, artist right ever. i mean yeah. it's possible i mean i i, I even <laughs> talked to afi fans who were just like no the first two records and then they don't even get i mean like that's there's there's stuff yeah. like for that but I don't know. Well, let's just get into this. Yeah, we, we've uh, done a lot of pregame, but I think it's important a, that we did. A lot of preamble. Yeah. Right off the bat, once this kicks in, for me, this track felt great. I had a lot of fun with this track. Like when the vocals slow, slowly kick in, it kind of reminds me of... Um, Let's Bowie's Let's Dance. Yeah. <laughs> little known fact, the little kid that speaks in the beginning of this, that is David Bowie. It's oh, pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, how can you not, like, nod your head when this comes on? Yeah, it's a exactly. great track. It, it feels positive. It feels excited. When I first put it on, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's an inspired Rivers. <laughs> it's, very, it's very inspired. But like you said, it feels positive, but... The lyrics are incredibly dark. Yeah, well, um, what else is new, right? <laughs> uh, he's, it's great, though. He's that, like, that's kind of his shtick to, to write really lonely love songs. I've, I've always said this song, it sounds like he's sort of excited about how he ain't got nobody at all. Yeah. Like, it's he's just exclaiming it to the whole world. Well, he's he's, he's taking it back, okay? It's, yeah, but there, you mean back to the shack? Oh, God. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I, I mean, we, we can discuss the the singles right because because i thought they made some interesting choices with the singles back to the shack is the next track but i don't understand why this wasn't a single i like it better than back to the shack i also uh, what was the third single now da vinci like i, da vinci, I yeah. like i would have rather had this as the second or third single than personally i thought this should have been the um the first single because yeah. the the driving intro and the first thing you think of when the vocal starts for the song oh this guitar solo is yeah, great yeah it has a um, great guitar solo too. but the vocal comes in and you go rivers is back weezer's back he yeah. sounds just you know like his old self he sounds refreshed yeah, yeah. no this guitar solo is like a master class I love that. Okay. I mean, this whole record is the closest <laughs> record to that blue sound that there is. There you mean, go. Now you're doing it. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. So, way more than Pinkerton, for sure. And I, I theorized, like, what would it have been like if Blue came out and then this record came out and then Pinkerton came out, where they had kind of established mm. this 
this similar sound twice well, in a row it, with Rick Ocasek, and maybe there would have been more acceptance of Pinkerton at the time. It you would know? be. It would be. I, I, I don't would, know. I would be yeah. really interested to see if this came out and then Maladroit came out. If people wouldn't have liked. Because Maladroit's kind of like a, a, a forgotten about. It's like the middle child of their catalog. I think it's a really solid record, but it's kind of forgotten about. And I think a lot of people were really. I don't know. But it, I mean. Hmm. I think it's the lyrical content for Maladroit that makes some fans uh, disregard it. The fact that it's not deeply personal or um, doesn't seem inspired by real life experiences. I think that's what draws some fans to Weezer. That's pretty interesting because this track is very personal and very much real-life experiences, and I don't like yeah. the lyrics at all. Well, no. I'm surprised it's not just called Weezer the Song. Yeah, <laughs> Wilco already did that. <laughs> right. Uh. <laughs> what do you call this, meta? Yeah. That... Yeah. <laughs> I don't the, know. the royal, the royal Weezer. Right. I know Michael has been waiting to talk about this song. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. All right. All right well, check it. I was on the uh, second <laughs> Weezer cruise, and um, I was sneaking around, and uh, I heard the band sound checking for their first show of the whole thing, and then I heard them start this, and I, I said, "Wow, it's a new song." And when he started off saying, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't realize I needed you so much. I'm like, oh, it sounds kind of like he's talking to fans. That's weird. Yeah. And then when he says, maybe I should play lead guitar and Pat should play the drums, I had a very visceral reaction of embarrassment. <laughs> like, I, And it's something where I should be excited because he's saying to me, you know, all the stuff that I've been asking him for years, which is, can you play guitar and can Pat play drums? But it just feels so direct and so personal that it makes me a little queasy. <laughs> right, because weird. it's not yeah. really veiled in much metaphor at all. <laughs> no, it was... It, it, it was there's just... actually a couple of songs on this record that are like that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I get that feeling from a eulogy for a rock band, too, a little oh, yeah, bit, you know? totally. But it's just... I don't know if you need to write an apology for doing what you want to do as a musician. That well, just... especially since he's been writing pop songs saying, I'm going to do what I want to do as a musician for the past like right. five albums. And it's just weird because this is a co-write, which is something that he's apologizing for Wait, doing. This, there's a co-write on this song? I and know, it's right? Like on, oh, it's like the most you no, no, you did not spoil it. Go ahead and talk about it. Jacob Kasher <laughs> is his name. His, we call him J-Cash. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he, he works with Kesha. Yeah. Lil Wayne, Jesse McCarthy, Lifehouse, Avril Lavigne. Flo Rida, Birdman, Selena Gomez. Are you kidding me? No. So then it, it okay. makes you think like, oh. What's well, going I, on here? Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, what's the deal? When fans found out that this was a co-write, um, it was, the forum went nuts. I know, this, of all the songs I would guess to be a co-write, this is in exactly. last place. Exactly. I think, like, I think it'd be funny if Rivers didn't write any of these lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't know. I mean, well, Carl Cook came onto the forums and said, actually, guys, the reason that Jay Cash has a co-writing credit is because Rivers was showing him the song on guitar, and he came up with... Um, the, the part where it goes back to the shack or something like that. Okay. But the shack is such a specific Cuomo-ism <laughs> yeah. that it just seems so weird that that's what he came up with. I don't know. Sure. So you want to believe Carl and think Rivers came up with everything except the for that. The meat of it. But, yeah. But yeah. It's just weird that they keep it veiled in secrecy in the Tower of uh, Weezer Secrets. I think it's also weird that this was 
the lead single. I mean, it, it just wouldn't be my choice. Well, yeah, when it came out, we thought maybe <clears throat> this was the single for hardcore fans and for Spin that, that's, Magazine. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, this is this is a fan service track, but this yeah. isn't the single. It's almost like yeah. a Weezer commercial, really. <laughs> like, yes. okay. I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was a commercial for the new album, and they just were going to play it on the Weezer cruise. Yeah, and then it wouldn't be on the album, and that would be fine. Right. That actually w- would have been a nice love letter to the fans, yeah. Yeah. but it just there's something off-putting about the fact that this is the lead single, and I, I don't know. But. Well, yeah, I mean, like what you said about about just like all of a sudden, like oh, all these seven records have been a mistake. I'm sorry yeah. about that, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> it does, I'm just I mean, like, it feels yeah, it, it, it's an odd feeling, right? It yeah. is an odd feeling. But then it also brings up the idea of like, well, could he have done this at, like? made a cohesive record supposedly that sounds like the Blue Album anytime he felt like it (laughs) and he just chose not to do it for whatever reason if he was constantly looking for for approval for these records that he never actually got positive reviews for like was he just kind of he just kind of had this in his back pocket he's like yeah I can always bring the Moog in and play this guitar tone yeah, again and do the high and low low vocals if I feel like it and well there's there's also a little bit of re- like that kind of sentiment in this tune too right. where it's just like yeah we're not that band anymore but you know you always have that stuff if you really want to listen to it but the thing is, is he, he took a long time to make this album, so I don't know if he always had it in his back pocket. I think he did some searching and tried his best to write uh, music that felt inspired, like that old stuff did. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but yeah, this song... This song uh, is, is both hit and miss for me. I think there's some good riffs. It sounds I, like, a, like a Brian Eno song in the beginning, those guitar tones, like it's like glam rock. The uh, little noises in the background there remind me of an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that that's true for a lot of the fans, too. They always bring yeah. up the elephant. Um, what's interesting about this song is it was co-written with Daniel Brummel, who's from the band Ozma. And they are hugely inspired by Weezer. So it sort of adds a level of meaning to the lyrics um, because... Is, is this like a torch passing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of like what in- interested me about the track um, is that he co-wrote it with someone that was so inspired by him. Um, <laughs> I, I actually like this song quite a bit. It's also co-written by Ryan Slegger, uh-huh. who who oddly enough is a touring member of The Rentals. Well, he's also from Ozma. <laughs> and then oh, Matt really? Sharp, yeah, Matt Sharp has him uh, play with The Rentals. I mean, those two, Daniel, that's, that's and, kinda funny, Daniel and Ryan, they are the only people who uh, have played in Weezer and The Rentals. Well, Pat played on the album for The Rentals, but um, yeah. it's just... Well, the first one, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think he's got, like, Patrick Carney on the most recent one, but... Mm. So what? What are, we haven't talked about? Uh, well, we we'll get into that maybe once we get over to the fifth track or so. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about Matt Sharp and and uh, I'd like to get your because yeah. I certainly have friends of my age that have thoughts. probably yeah thoughts that you could probably already spell out with me having to yes. without needing to tell you. But I do want to talk about it, and I'm not necessarily in that camp, especially mm-hmm. having listened to this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, I. I thought this song was good. I mean, I, I mean, I, it it has its moments for me, but there's there's some lyrical content that yeah. just uh, that there's it, 
that is a little bit inaccessible to me where I'm like, I can't get past how on on the nose this is. Oh, about, sure. Like, well, I like the bridge where he says it's time that we laid you in your grave. Um, let him fade. You know, there's some interesting meaning there. Um, that part really connects with me. The verses are a little too... The vocal melody is a little too simple. Yeah. Where he's just going along with the guitar. The nah, nah. Yeah, which nah, which nah. makes the chorus... Uh, vocal line sound a little trite to me, but that you know that's just. I'm me. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, nominate Michael to produce the next Weezer record. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do uh, I do like this track though. This is like this is this could have been a B side off of the Blue record. Yeah, this is this is right right back. You want to talk a little bit about the co-write right right on this one? This is interesting because. Um, a lot of fans are convinced this is from 2001. Uh, really? Why is that? Well, there's a song from 2001 called Homely, which they worked on around the time of Green. Home, um, homely Girl? <laughs> well, it's just it's just Homely. Um, and this is totally a Green-style song, if you listen to it. But not the production. Not the production. It's, yeah. it's, a, green, it's a green. It's a Green-style hook with with a a, a, a Blue Era sound. Um, but listen here. Oh, totally. I'm homely. So, oh, sorry. I'm lonely, so homely. Just lost my fan club card. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and take that from you right now. <laughs> um, yeah, because we're the best people to hold on to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, um, so the co-write on this is... Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander, who has done a lot of different pop songs. Demi uh, Lovato, Tattoo... Jojo. I remember Tattoo yeah. Jojo. Here's the thing. I looked him up, and apparently he's just like a super skilled pianist um, and a really good musician, and that's why he's done so many co-writes with Rivers. He, he has two on this album, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm okay with this co-write because it, it sounds like Weezer, you know? It really... Well, that guitar solo is like classic Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't know... Okay, if there was a version of this album that went out and it said that rivers wrote this whole album by himself you guys would believe that right oh for sure yeah, absolutely yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe i've had it up to here you wouldn't believe because that's kind of crazy yeah. it, it yeah. sounds like a justin hawkins track that's yeah. the thing. i think part of the reason this album took so long is because he uh wanted to make sure everything still sounded like weezer but he still was writing with other people well he didn't reason. seem to worry about that much with ratitude i mean <laughs> lesson lesson learned he's sorry guys yeah that's right yeah i Disco yeah. sucks, Rivers. Yeah. I was well, kind of surprised that because of the the lyrics on this and talking about going back to the shack and all this stuff and still going for so many co-writing with people. Yeah. Who, I'm honestly surprised have, how yeah. much co-writing is on and this And they record. have, like, clear, like, pop music backgrounds. So he it just, seems kind of counterintuitive with the lyrical right. content, you know? It contradicts Back to the Shack completely because in 94, he says, rocking out like it's a 94, in 94, you didn't have access to pop co-writers and song doctors. You just right. re- you wrote with Pat and Brian, or not Brian, Jason Cropper. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian wasn't in there at the time. But it's just a weird mission statement going back to 94, but then doing the same songwriting methods or similar songwriting methods to your last two albums. 
Yeah, it's odd, right? And then it's and you wonder what he's saying to these songwriters as far as like sonic direction or how much of that has to do with Rick Ocasek because mm-hmm. yeah. I I want to believe that it has a lot to do with Rick Ocasek, but the Green Record to me sounds so different from this it does. that that I'm not really sure where his hand does lie in this necessarily. You um, know, in an interview with Alt Press, Rivers said he understood why fans were like confused about the co-writes and they were worried that he couldn't write songs by himself anymore. And he said he's still the one steering the ship in all the co-writes. <laughs> so don't worry, guys. So quit bringing that up. I've <laughs> he's, had he's it annoyed. up to here. Nice, <laughs> nice seg there. That was good. I, 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 he's kind of known for that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, this is another tune for me, uh, like Eulogy, that... It's kind of both hit and miss. There are elements of this song I really enjoy, but there's also, I still think it's one of the weaker tracks on this record in my opinion. Is that how you feel as well, Michael? It's tough because I love Justin Hawkins. I am a huge Justin yeah. Hawkins fan. Like, this yeah. this part feels really fun, but, you know. But, but this could have easily been sung by Justin Hawkins exactly, and been yeah. a Justin Hawkins yeah. song. Once, like, you, once you see that he co-wrote this, it's a little less exciting as a Weezer fan. Yeah. Um... Did he not co-write something on Hurley as well? I can't remember. No, I, he didn't. I was thinking he had something to do with somebody else as well, but I he, could be wrong. Well, he and Rivers both co-wrote something for Adam Lambert. Okay. So maybe that's how they met, but... Um, huh. No, with this song, it's like the execution just feels the tiniest bit off. Yes! Like, I feel like if they had done it in a more live style, it could it, have been cooler. Yeah, it seems... The production on this one like feels... Like this airtight, almost... Sterile. Like pop punky type safeness that mm. just. <laughs> have you have you heard Hot Leg that hot, uh, Justin Hawkins solo project? What's that did? called again? Hot Leg, and it's got it's difficult to find, but it's got this <laughs> this. I thought sound. you were trying to say Hot Cakes. No no, no 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 yeah. no it's it's a lot. Uh, it's like it sides more on the Van Halen side than it does on like the ACDC nice. side yeah. of his spectrum. I've heard so much about it, but I think I took a break when I found out about the manager that he was dating the manager and stuff, and I stopped listening to the band for a bit or something. Sure, there was a lot of drama, so I just kind of stopped. Yeah, you, it was hard to run there for him at the same time as the yeah. Weezer one. Is that <laughs> exactly? <laughs> the, Weezer, the Weezer takes up so much of my uh, Ooh, energy. Such saucy rumors. This, sec- this section is of the song is pretty cool. Though. Yeah, that's like a Justin Hawkins like. Yeah, <laughs> like belt right. too. But Rivers' voice works surprisingly well with that. Well, it's you know? funny. Um, I've seen them do it live a few times, and Rivers sounds better live than he does on the studio take. On this song? Yeah, really. Like for that part, the you know the, the super. I'm not gonna do it, but the, <laughs> so bad. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the high part. He nails it live, but on the studio take, he's like screaming it or something, and it sounds kind of bad. Uh, IMO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, as the kids say. Yeah, this is, uh, it also has a, an air of like 1976 Boston y kind of. A little of, bit. Like, a little uh, bit. I mean, uh, and. Well, I, I love that. I love that synth tone at the end. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's certainly been some appearances of the Moog on here. I mean, because that's... yeah, for me that that saved it because there's moments on that track where it's just like, oh, that's kind of fun. All right, it's getting cheesy. And, and feel... then that synth brought it brought it home. Right. For me. I'm like, all right, Sounds it's fun like again. Weezer. It just got fun yeah. again. And it seems like because uh, I think this is maybe a good opportunity to go into this, but the Moog has been so 
recognizable as far as Weezer's early sound. Mm. And I think there was a perception that Matt Sharp kind of took that with him. Mm-hmm. Because the rentals is even heavier on that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, so Matt Sharp, obviously when I listen to this record and it feels super solid to me, it has a lot of the same flavor of the blue record that I liked. Um, and it makes me think that I know that Matt Sharp rides on that a mm-hmm. lot. As much as I like Matt Sharp, I saw the rentals when they were at First Ave in 09 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled to see them. Mm-hmm. I was excited to hear all their new singles. But uh, I I think that he does hold that mantle a little bit more than maybe he deserves to, especially yeah. having gone through the catalog. Yeah. Um, I and mean, I the know re- Return of the Rentals is still a really solid pop album. It is, it is, but he doesn't he's not a frontman like Rivers is vocally. <laughs> sure. His voice his voice is limited. Yeah. Um with Matt Sharp, the question is, did he contribute to the music or did he inspire Rivers? I think he He's like his muse in a way. Kind of. But I don't know about well, <laughs> I think Maybe River, too sexual, is that right? But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I can't speak for Matt or Rivers, but yeah. um, it always seemed to me that Rivers cared a lot about what Matt Sharp thought. There's um, been a few things where Rivers has talked about how he asked Matt Sharp for his opinion on things. Like uh, over the years? Well, like on the Alone record, right. he has mm. um, he did the song The Bomb by, who was that by? It's a rap song. Oh, I'm not remember. sure. Um, it's a cover, but he talked about how him and Matt would make fun of people for being lame and being white and singing rap, or trying to rap. <laughs> but then he did that cover secretly or something. Um, but and it always, there's also the, the greatest man who ever lived. Which yeah. Is, but it's, it's it just seems like Matt... Such a fantastic song. Matt had this like sense of taste that Rivers really responded to. Yeah. And when Matt left the band, Rivers was kind of lost and he didn't have someone to tell him Hey man, that sucks. Because you know Matt Sharp was kind of, um, he he voiced his opinion pretty freely. This is actually the most nuanced opinion on this Matt Sharp <clears throat> debate. Because the, the the Matt Sharp conspiracy theory has come up yeah. several times over the right. course of these episodes. And I, you found a great quote from Matt Sharp saying, like, Rivers well, still writes the songs. It would have sound Right. Yeah. He's like, same. well, basically, like, I know that there was probably a special chemistry between the four of us. Yeah. But if you hate all those Weezer records, you'd probably hate him if I was on them, too. That was Matt on a uh, more giving day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, the, uh, yeah. on the Rentals website right now, it talks about how when they got rid of Matt, the band was never the same and the chemistry is something they'll never get back. That's on the Rentals website, and they're what? talking about Weezer like Is that. it really? It really is, And Scott, yeah. Scott's pretty pretty brutal about it, too, where he's yeah. like, when he talks about the first time he saw Weezer play, and he's like, they're great. Their bass player bass sucks. sucks. It's true, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Matt, yeah. as a musician, um, I think a lot of people don't realize that he's not very uh, skilled. But he's got a brain for it. Oh, he's an ideas yeah. guy. And, and he's, he's, an, he's definitely an ideas guy. Huh. So do you feel like the band would be different if he were to come back and do a record with Rivers? I mean, there was some talk for a while about them just doing a record together, even even if it wasn't a Weezer album. Well, they've both, you know, people grow and change, so it would definitely be different. I don't think it would be like this epic return to form that everyone hopes because... You know, Rivers has done well, so much. Of course, it wouldn't be. Right, it's but, never going. No, to be No, but there that. are plenty of people that think it. Yeah, would be. no. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, you made some good points where it's just like that might hold water, and especially with something often argued and 
done to death like the if Matt Sharp was still in Weezer we we wouldn't have all this or it yeah. would be this or they would you know honestly to me that was a really um, great points but it just proves to me that there's always three sides to every story your side my side and the truth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know it's just like if Matt Sharp is still in the band eh, yeah I bet some of the records would be different but I, I I think by and large there'd still be some things people would take umbrage with mm-hmm. as with every band that releases 10 albums over the course of how many years the big uh, thing is um, Pinkerton's you know uh, in River's yeah. eyes it's failure I think people blame Matt Sharp leaving for what would have probably happened yeah. even if he had stayed in the band, which is Rivers' lack of confidence. Yeah, and I, I still think he was affected by the critical and public reaction for Pinkerton for several albums, and I've also yes. done that argument to death over this podcast. So I'm just going to move on because this is definitely my, if not favorite, one of my favorites on the track. Like the guitar work on it and the vocals and... It feels really good to me. Welcome to the first level literary. That's not the most popular opinion, actually, but it's my favorite song on the album. Um, the British are coming? Yeah. Some people can't get behind the Revolutionary War lyrics. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I, I, enjoy, like, I enjoyed it. If Matt it. Sharp was here, he never would have let those <laughs> well, lyrics I enjoyed it because it's, it's something other than about a girl or exactly. lack thereof. Right. <laughs> but this this guitar work is... Yeah, it's nice to hear Rivers put thought into his guitar parts again. It's track seven, right? I think it's, uh, I think six. it's six. Six, yeah. okay. Six. Seven is Da Vinci. Yeah. Um, but right, right, when, right when the song kicks in, it almost feels like diving into a pool. It's really mm-hmm. refreshing, and it just Beautiful it feels nice. Beautiful melodies This song is also mm-hmm. fantastic live. Do they play an acoustic guitar live? Um, no, no. They have uh, Rivers, Scott, Brian, and Daniel Brummel. He's on stage with them for the Everything Will Be All Right in the End club tours that they or tour that they did. Um, but when they kick into the verse, it has so much more power than it does on the album. Oh, sure. It's kind of a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I love the melodies in this track. The punk ass Redcoats lyric is a <laughs> stroke of genius. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's like. Uh, it, rem- it reminded me of um, his writing styling on Buddy Holly. Exactly, you know, What's yeah. with these homies? You know, why do they got a front? Why do these redcoats have the front? <laughs> um, it's, for me, this song's inspiring as hell uh, when you don't, like, think about the Revolutionary War while listening to it, but think um, these forces you can't control are, gonna c- are coming for you, you know, and you just got to be prepared to fight for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. He said in a serious XM interview, it was about imperial forces in his life at the time. So I think that's talking about record labels um, or management or even critics. So I listen to this song and I hear him just lashing out at people, you know, yeah. that are trying to keep him down. But he, he does it in a different way than he normally does. Cause right. For, for, I mean, you hear this on Red, you hear this on... A lot of uh, some of the later stuff, but mm-hmm. he he kind of has like this like bitter like 
Well, if you don't like it, I, you know, I'm right. perfectly fine with it. I don't need you. Like I don't need last, your opinion. Like but the this last is, track. <laughs> yeah. Had it up to here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a much more sophisticated way of doing it, and I actually think the metaphor is clever. Yeah, it, it's a change of pace, and yeah. I, 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 it's a refreshing change of pace for me. Come on, let's, get the, let's give them everything we have. It's just such a great thing before unleashing maybe your best guitar solo in, like, I don't know, a decade or something. Yeah. I just think top to bottom, this is the most cleverly written, and the, the tones of all the instruments and the hooks are great. I, I think this is, if, if it's not the most solid track on the record for me, it's definitely the top, and I'm, I'm dumbfounded on why it was not considered for the single. Well, and then the interesting thing about this one is it's just him, it's just written by him, it's not a co-write. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to co-write with people to write. Maybe that's it, because... Because labels, once once you're getting co-writers in, then you're you're gonna have to spread uh, the money around. <laughs> there, there might be outside opinions going like, well, we should probably push this record because I'm gonna get some points on it. So there there could be that going on there. But, mm -hmm. And then what the way the song the way the song develops and has like an outro that's different from the rest of the song. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff like that that's missing from a lot of post Pinkerton. Oh, I said it. Post Pinkerton Weezer. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 have all we have all done the return to form thing. Yeah. <laughs> all three yeah. of us on I this. Think yeah. I think it's for once warranted though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> this. Tr uh, I I don't understand why this was the third single. To be honest, oh. the Da Vinci. Yeah, well, I, because uh, fans voted on it. I mean, I, it's the whistling is fun, but the. It's got a little El Scorcho playfulness. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely not forced. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this track. I don't. I don't like. I mean, like it. It's. It's. It just feels like he was just like, ah, oh, people like when I get a little bit nerdy. Mm -hmm. But this is nerdy in the sense that like, Big Bang Theory is nerd humor. <laughs> you know, like it's. It's like condescendingly like. Hey, you know, Stephen Hawking. He's a scientist. Get it? Yeah. I'm, I'm quirky. Yeah. I got the Cuomo quirks. You know, it just, it just. <laughs> I'm not too worried little, about the nerdy. Who's this new character? <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I don't know. It's just too, it's too heavy-handed for me. Man. The chorus feels like a concerted effort to sound like Weezer. Yeah. Which yeah. always makes me kind of shrug and go, I don't know. Can you just sound like whatever suits the song? I just, yeah. There's I just, a little bit of that in Pork and Beans, too, where it clicks into this kind of lo-fi fuzz guitar. It works on Pork and Beans where I feel like this song tries too hard to make it work. I don't it. know if you noticed, but the chorus is very similar to Pork and Beans in terms of how it kicks in from the quiet verse. Mm. And that's kind of, they did one mm. show where they played these two songs back to back, and it was kind of funny. Uh. <laughs> they did such. I, I mean, I bet live this is a fun track, but it, well. just, it just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> you disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I just don't love this one. Yeah, um, I'm not wild about it. How how heavy are their their new set lists on on the new record? Um, well, they've done like two shows this year, and they did Back to the Shack and Go Away, and that was it. Really? Yeah. Well, let's let's get into that tune because I've I've said my piece on this. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not a bad song. The here's the thing about this album is that my least favorite songs on this one are better than my least favorite songs on the last few Weezer albums. That's for sure. that's a good point. I yeah. will I will take Da Vinci and I've had it up to here over 
most of the songs on Ratitude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that song actually feels a lot like Ratitude to me, by the way, just with different production style. This and is kind of like a Velvet Underground-y uh -huh. uh, lo-fi-ness to it, but yeah. This one took me by surprise because I did not expect Best Coast to show up. Because no. I, 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 you know, I just kind of stream these records. I don't get the liner notes when I'm listening to this, and out of nowhere, I was like, "What? Someone else?" Okay. Singing? <laughs> yeah. Well, how many actual? I, I, I was struggling to actually think of how many guests have been players on Weezer records, and it's not a ton. Oh. I mean, there's been Lil Wayne, of course. Um, that was an obvious yeah, attempt at something. Who else is there though? Her? Don't forget Michael Sarah. Um, yeah, he did mandal quote mandolin on Hang On for it, Hurley. Well, and then Dan Wilson is on Hurley, and Ryan Adams is on Hurley. There's and, been a lot yeah. of guest appearances, so, but not guest lead vocalists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hurley, man, I love that Ryan Adams track that he did. Good. Hurley doesn't <laughs> get enough credit. One. I feel like yeah. people bag on Hurley more than they should. Weezer actually, they played in Indiana I think it was yesterday and some fans were saying they should cancel but they did something a lot cooler which was they did Pink Triangle <laughs> um, first time they've done that in a regular set list in a long time and then they did this song but they said they couldn't find a female vocalist <laughs> so it was a duet between Rivers and Brian Bell the guitarist <laughs> yeah so they they said we couldn't find a female vocalist but i choose to believe that it was their statement yeah um, but it was pretty cool That's like good. yeah and then their bassist was wearing a rainbow uh, american flag shirt you know so That's good That's better than canceling and hurting the little Weezer fans in Indiana. I actually felt like this could have been a single, yeah. probably. Yeah. I, I, it, it's surprising. I didn't like this song when I first heard it. Um, but every listen, it grows on me more and more. And other song, other tunes on this record There's just kind of that classic Weezer squeal. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this song has actually grown off of me. Really? Like, I love doo-wop-y chord progressions. I love mm -hmm. breakup songs. But somehow, maybe it's the production of this one, it just like falls flat for me now as I listen to it. Mm. Except this part. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good part. That's a good part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pop, but like lo-fi Weezer version of doo-wop pop. Like, mm -hmm. in, if, this, if this song was on make-believe, it would be incredibly produced. <laughs> I can respect, yeah. I can respect that it's sort of turns the whole Cuomo breakup song um, on its head because it has the girl's side of the story and it reveals that's, that he was a jerk. That's yeah. actually yeah. what I enjoyed about it. Yeah, so I can respect that. I don't love it, but it's it's okay. We got another... Uh, Single coming up right now. Uh, Cuomo solo writing credit. Cuolo. 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 <laughs> Cuolo. And he... It, Harmonica. Has Harmonica been on every Weezer record? Because it's been on twice so far. Only Blue and... Um, it's on Red somewhere, right? I mean, there's got to be Harmonica in think, there somewhere. I don't think so. No? No, I Not think even it's... on The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived? No. Because <laughs> were we, were we just... We had this conversation about, like, yeah... It's we had the, the conversation harmonica. about strings, too, because we... Well, we that's did, inevitable. Yeah, right. <laughs> That was inevitable. It was on Freak Me Out from Make Believe, yeah. um, and then Absent for a little while. But I, I love the harmonica on this song. Like, yeah. I'm just, I, I, I like this chorus a lot, too. I think yeah, it's this, solid. This, 
It, although he he kind of does that uh, Springsteen thing where he tries to jam too many syllables into a into a melody, <laughs> which you I know see, it seems purposeful though. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it both works and sometimes doesn't work right. for Springsteen it's too. It's jarring but, as far as like yeah. if you want frat boy singing along to it. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't keep <laughs> time to this. <laughs> <laughs> It's cause it's cause we're all on drugs. <laughs> yeah, the chorus. The, this is a, a really solid chorus. How, how how are the fans reacting to Cleopatra? Um, they mostly seem to like it um, a lot, except for one section coming up, um, which is called the rap rock counting section. Oh, I yeah, know. yeah, I that one. That. Yeah, well, that's, I don't like. I don't mind it. I don't get why people don't. don't like it. Yeah, it's that is the section that basically made me like. And the British are coming is not a single because. <laughs> well, just you know, it could argue be argued that he, he was like, I need to find lyrics for this part. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's. I'll just count. It's talking about as the woman ages. Um, you know, uh, Cleopatra was killed at 40 I believe or she died at 40 but you know it's still thematically um, within the realm of the song mm-hmm. I think people don't like it because it's a little abrasive and this guitar solo is awesome by the way but um, I always have to mention the guitar solo well, his guitar his guitar work on this record has been the most inspired in several albums in yep. my opinion yeah. is he hitting these with one take I mean, I, that, know. I know Rick Ocasek talks about how he's such that's a, great a common musician. thing. Well, that that usually just goes in and nails them in one take. One mm-hmm. take rivers. Yeah. I don't know, but um, no, for me, um, I, I like that section a lot. Uh, but it's a little divisive. I can respect that. I mean, Ed, now that I now that I have heard that point about the the, the yeah. age, it, it this. I, I I think people don't like it just because it's it's just kind of. It's weird. Stock white boy jock rock, and I think that's why people have been kind of. Yeah, it sinks into that chugga chugga guitar. The riffage, that, yeah. the riffage could be a little better. I I concede. <laughs> Buried in the mix is like a uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra style guitar <laughs> line there in that section. By the way, <laughs> I didn't notice it until I uh, I actually went on. St- on stage for this next song, Foolish Father. Mm-hmm. But um, we got to hear the band playing Cleopatra with just the sound coming from uh, the stage and the amps. Oh, just so, from the, the side stage. Yeah, side stage. yeah. So I could only hear bass and Brian Bell's amp, and he's doing, for that part, he's doing this. Ding, 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 ding. It's like super weird and not, you can't hear it at all on the album, but it's like a fun little touch. So you were on stage for Foolish Father. Yeah, they mm-hmm. did something called the Fan Choir. Okay. For, oh, nice. Yeah, for um, the part where it says the album title. Yeah, so. yeah. Just like when they he kind of put out a call during the uh, mm-hmm. recording of it, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. This um, when I first listened to this record, I I thought it was uh, really cheesy, and then. But it's because I wasn't listening listening intently, and then I realized, mm-hmm. wow, this is probably the most personal thing he's ever mm-hmm. done. <laughs> it's a good song. It has some of that make believe vocal style. I think that's what. Uh, that's that's threw another reason. I think yeah. that's another reason why I was just like, not this again. Yeah, <laughs> he's very like, overwrought yeah. on this song in particular. 
Um, but I think it works for the yeah. lyrics if you listen. I think I, this is probably one of my least favorite on this record. I don't know why that is. I, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't ring with me too much. But. It's not my favorite for mm-hmm. sure. One thing that but I was it's, it's not the worst on the record. One thing I that think. I was confused about is why he had the rhyme be "You are his daughter," because I know that's more personal to him. But it makes me just a little less able to connect to it. Mm. I don't have a daughter. Uh, yeah, what? A, I have a dog. <laughs> Um, Did you mention that to Rivers? That, no, but okay. he had a <laughs> he had a thing where he had fan club members come backstage and um, yeah. listen to new songs and say what they thought. Um, so how many of you are in this group that's like a listening party? Well, it's not a listening party for the whole group or anything, but like if they were at a, a concert, he would just have a few people, whoever came backstage, he played this song for them. And ask them if they like the lyric "You are his daughter" or "Hell or high water" better. So I'm not sure why he didn't do "Hell or high water" at least once, because I thought that was a little better. It's really a horse apiece. <laughs> I, I, I am. This is an idiom I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> I am like a really. Um, I don't, it's I don't know how I feel about how like involved he's got you guys like I think it's, it's great really weird. It's, it's just uh, n- nothing that I've ever really seen I mean, maybe really Billy strange. Corgan might do something like that but I'm yeah, but I'm, he would do it badly yeah he'd he invite would. you on stage like, and then tell you he had sex with yeah. your mom wait, oh wait that actually happened and there's video <laughs> evidence of William Corgan you mean actually <laughs> yeah yeah, that's oh, right, yeah he's trying that now yeah um, that's yeah but, no you can't no I mean not, does it make you feel strange like you do Sometimes you just feel like going, well, I just want to listen to what you want to do. Like, why Why do you mm. care what I want you, you to do? You don't need my approval for everything you do, is what I want to say to him. Um, <laughs> this this is so funny to me. Cause no, this is he's like, <laughs> not just mine in particular, but fans. <laughs> this is but, like, like arguments personified. Yeah, like, no, no, you are my favorite musician, but will you just leave me alone, for God's sake? Well, he would, he would for the Everything Will Be All Right in the End club tour, he would post things like, hey, does anyone have something cool I could say during the banter tonight? Yeah. Um, or he would ask, hey, guys, do you like when I do banter or should I like, Just ask Matt less? Sharp. No, it's just, <laughs> it's just do what you feel. Like, feel things naturally and do them as opposed to asking fans for permission. You know? Yeah, sure. Like, it, it started out as this really cool thing, but then eventually I just was, like, kind of sighing at each post he made. He's cooled it down on asking for fan approval or fan opinion. Um, on the Facebook, um, but right right now he's been just copying and pasting stuff from the fan club and tweeting it. Hmm. It's very strange. It's one of the strangest things. I bet you it's not him. <laughs> well, no, it's it's him. He's he's very uh, huh. into it. I don't know yeah. why. Well, we'll see how that works out for yeah. the next record. Yeah. <laughs> see, I do. I do. I've said this before that I feel bad for Rivers because I think. Um, He's held to a higher standard for sure than most people from this era. Yeah. But and, I, I and can't imagine. From that yeah, yeah. But I can't imagine a guy like him who's been in the public eye this long, never really experienced a successful record, like critically mm-hmm. at the time. It's always been a like mm-hmm. a hindsight situation. That I yeah. feel like he's lucky that he has any like sanity at all. Like, <laughs> I mean, Does I'm he? sure I that. Know. Well, I think <laughs> that's part of the reason where it's like he's in a really popular band, but he can't figure out why not why everybody likes it all the time. I you think. Know? I think this album has probably been the most um, critically 
um, positive response they've gotten in real time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, right. I don't know if he's satisfied with the sales of it, but well, uh, if it, if, in this day and age, if, I think he kind if of. If it weren't this, forgot. it'd be something else. Yeah, you know? this this trilogy, um, this was something I did read about online before it was released. Like, oh, there's going to be a trilogy, and then he talks about on it. Um, in an interview, but I was I was just you know, happy he put this on here because mm-hmm. he he actually flashes the metal a little bit. Yeah, this album has a lot of metal inspired guitar mm-hmm. work, which is kind of like which is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, cause he's he's been a self admitted metalhead and makes references in the liner notes and mm-hmm. interviews and lyrics and like you you don't get to see it and he's got some sweet picking. He's got some he's got some dark riffs and uh, it was it was. It was good to hear. I, f- I, I felt relieved for, for both him and me. This is one of my <laughs> favorite tracks on the album, actually. This one in particular. How do they do this live? Because there's a lot of guitar layers. They have Daniel Brummel from Ozma joining them. Okay. Um, so he will be playing along with Brian and Rivers. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, sometimes it seems like they focus on the leads and there's no rhythm guitar under the stuff. So that kind of bugs me. But Do you hear that, Rivers? <laughs> yeah, I better send him an email and um, let him know that. No, um, but this song works really well, well live. It's really cool. Michael, um, how much of this record did you hear before it hit the streets? Uh, well, I heard Back to the Shack on the cruise, and then they had these little webisodes. Um, I saw a couple of those yeah. during the recording. Yeah. yeah. So, And then they kept posting songs early. Like, Lonely Girl was in partnership with a cell phone company. You got to download a track, and it was Lonely Girl. I don't know. It was weird. But it was, like, a few songs. Like, every album that comes out on a major label, they show, like, four or five songs before the album comes out. But I'd imagine you have to kind of know where to find them, right? Yeah. Well, that's what forums are for. Yeah. People who are obsessed and look for any chance they can to find new info or find new tracks what have you but yeah river said that the wasteland was about him realizing that he had sold out and was making music for the wrong reasons and <laughs> stuff uh, like that well we, this, this piano yeah. part uh is actually one of my favorite moments on it's the pretty. record uh we talked a little bit about um i think that there's a, uh, an understandable um disorientation with the idea of selling out for him because Mm -hmm. of the era that Weezer became popular because it was pretty synonymous with like the charts and album sales when he was doing it and it's really frayed like the critical acclaim doesn't almost hardly ever really follows the actual album sales Mm -hmm. so I think that that split kind of happened midway through their career and he continued on this path that was pretty much the same model that Weezer came up on Mm -hmm. and so there was no real reason for him to think that he needed to appeal to these critics or to like maybe try and explore some of the indie rock that was actually influenced by Weezer right you know so so in a way like the this obsession of like getting these songwriters in getting these popular collaborators was kind of all part of the big picture of perception of success for Weezer Mm -hmm. and it's understandable just because of the time that it came up you know Mm -hmm. well especially if he's disappointed by sales maybe right he's he just yeah he's from that era yeah, this um, 
this song is interesting. I it goes it really goes like places it. for sure. I like it. Don't love it. Um, just because it feels like it could have been developed even more. Yeah, I, I also think uh, there was there was some build up for me. This was this was the only track other than um, Back to the Shack that I read about mm -hmm. and had some sort of a preview for. Yeah, the teaser. Because so, when because Rivers talked about it. And the way he described it, I was just like, "Oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be something." And I think I had my expectations a little too high. I mean, it's still really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Feels like memories here. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got the he's got the uh, DJ mustard hay <laughs> hay in the background. Yeah, um, at the show they asked us us guys in the choir, guys and girls in the choir, if we could do the hay. Oh yeah. Because the audience we weren't doing it. We wanted to jump for this one. Yeah, we they didn't want us to do it on stage though. They wanted us to do it in the crowd and get the crowd to do it, because um, the crowds weren't doing it. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. My anonymous, that part's pretty cool. You know, the original title for this. Or we're not the original title, but they changed it to My Mystery for a bit. Hmm. You can see that on YouTube. The teaser was for My Mystery. Yeah. Then they changed it to Anonymous. Apparently, it was originally called Anonymous, so Rivers was making last-minute decisions. Huh. As usual. <laughs> I kind of wish, do you feel wish like we some had of those... you on every episode. I know. Seriously. Do you feel like some of the last-minute decisions have, have been detrimental Previously, uh, I mean, previously, are there any things that you can point to that you felt like were examples of that? <sighs> um, Weezer and Weezy. <laughs> well, right. Well, but that's not a last-minute decision. Like, yeah, that's, that was, that's a planned decision. Um, yeah, that was swinging for the fences. I think Hurley was a last-minute decision in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that album is pretty uh, slipshod. I don't know. It's better than Ratitude. See, that's a. Uh, yeah, but you know, in my opinion. Let's not ruin this song by talking about Ratitude. <laughs> this song. Show me on the dog where <laughs> it's the, Ratitude It's the guitar you. here, right? Yeah. I mean, this is like, I never thought I'd hear Rivers do the type of guitar work that's, that's on this song. That's what I was song. saying. Yeah. I, like, when I heard this, I was like, there you go, buddy. You, yeah. finally, you finally got to do it. Yeah. Like, sweet picking. Finally yeah. on a, a Weezer record. It's nice. Well, this reminds me of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like I brought up earlier. There's an undercurrent on this whole album of just crazy leads. You know, which is what I like about Weezer is simple, chunky power pop with mm -hmm. crazy metal leads. So Pat has said that Hurley was them not swinging for the fences. Yeah. yeah. Is that, um, it, I mean, why, why would, what do you think the goal is in a record like that? I mean, do they go through it and know that it's like kind of mediocre or... Um, I think Hurley was just a really quick response to Ratitude. Well, it sounded like they were having more fun, and it felt more organic than Ratitude. Rat Ratitude really rubbed me the wrong way. With Ratitude, it's a question of uh, style, musical yeah. stylings. But with Hurley, Rivers, you don't even know who's playing what, because Rivers replaced a lot of Pat's drum parts with him playing drums. Oh, I didn't know that. And Why like, is that? Because he just, like... I don't know. That's strange. Hurley is River's baby. Like, the members of Weezer, you don't know what they're playing and what he's playing. He used demos for a lot of the bass of those songs. It's just a really strange album. Um, I, I forget the... It's like such a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure <laughs> finale. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that's such a great, well, yeah. great, great ending for an yeah. album. But for Hurley, if you look at the track credits, 
there's like a bunch of random musicians credited for that album. Like the guitar solo on Smart Girls is not Rivers. The guitar lead guitar for Memories is not Brian Bell or Rivers. Um, it's a bunch of, you know, random people. Uh, it's Rivers, Cuomo, and Friends, I guess you could say. Were, were they actually playing those parts, or was Rivers just kind of having fun with album credits? Oh, no, he he was doing so many collabs at the time and recording them and then putting them on Weezer albums, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> well, Pat, Pat Wilson said on the All Things Weezer forum, he posts there sometimes, um, he said, you know, there was one week he came in and said, yeah, I recorded a bunch of drums and guitar stuff and Rivers and the engineer seemed to really like it. And then a few weeks later, he said, I can't tell what I'm playing and what Rivers is playing <laughs> <laughs> because like he's like they've collabs on like a bad drug habit. Like, yeah. Yeah. So many wasted nights. I'm really interested in collaborating, just not with the rest of the well, members I was, of Weezer. I was Weezer. doing so many collabs <laughs> that week. I can't even remember what I was playing. Co-writing yeah. with your band is OK, too, but he never does it. He well, did it a on little blue. bit on, on Red, too, right? That yeah. those... Well, that's band written. That's like they wrote those songs separately from each other. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. That, Maybe. Red Red would have been a perfect album for me. I, I actually revisited some of the B-sides, and I was just like, ah, oh, if you just take this one and, and put it here and this one here and this sounds one like here, Red uh, would be so much better. Sounds like you're officially a Weezer fan because that's what they do with Red. They take the songs that were on Deluxe, move them on the album, get rid of Cold Dark World, um, everybody get dangerous or yeah. come on I st- uh, he, he's come a on. defender of it too we yes. have this conversation I'm a, I, I am a everybody get dangerous apologist for sure apologist <laughs> I don't know about a defender I mean, well, it's, well it's, see it's, Pat feels like it's high art <laughs> no I, I really feel like there, there are moments of like Dada on Red like there's just like it's just like anti pop it's great Red is sort of like a later era Beach Boys album um, because there's songs written by the members yeah. separate from each other, but then they, they push it together into one album. And then Rivers produces them, though, to yeah. some extent, right? I mean, he's he's controlling all of that and probably editing somewhat. There, <laughs> there's one thing that they did, which is Brian Bell has a song called Thought I Knew. Yeah. Um, and I'm familiar <laughs> they, with it. They have it in the liner notes. They meant, or Brian Bell mentions that Rivers and Pat came up with like the silly drum thing in the beginning mm. <laughs> you know the right. silly thing and so like it's like rufus and the, shaka khan i'm pretty sure good. i'm pretty sure in the liner notes brian bell said that he didn't like it or something i think i may be misremembering it but i know he said somewhere he really didn't like it and he didn't want it to be on the record but rivers said it had to be or something like that yeah was, right <laughs> so it's, it's just a I'm funny try, little i'm thing. trying to imagine rivers in a phil specter role with like a pistol <laughs> like, it's going on the record <laughs> but but again, I just want to ask again, like, mm-hmm. do you do you think Rivers is aware that some of these are going to be moderately received? I mean, does he assume that all these records are going to be home runs? Because it seems like the approach to this record was a lot different than the approach to the last three records, you know? I think um, he's a lot more aware of trying to put out something that's up to his highest standards as an artist, whereas back then he was just kind of trying out um disco well yeah <laughs> disco no but with hurley it literally was just him trying to make an alt rock album and that was his highest goal for that was that it wasn't going to be pop it was going to be alt rock mm. okay whereas this album uh, everything would be all right in the end uh, his goal was to make a classic weezer album his his goals were a lot loftier than they have been that can be felt on mm-hmm. this record 
with ratitude. Sure. So would you say that he's been uninspired for long periods of time? I, I mean, don't know if he's uninspired or if he's just prone to flights of fancy. And by that I mean his new stuff to him is always going to feel like his best stuff. And then, like, six months later, he's going to go, oh, man. Guys, <laughs> you know? I'm really sorry about that record. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> Didn't realize. Needed you so much. Um, but I, I genuinely think that he just likes his new stuff best. And then he realizes, um, you know, he may have made a mistake releasing that album. Um, I, I read in an interview for the magazine Magnet, um, Pat said, I don't think Rivers wanted to put Make Believe out. And then the the interviewer asked Rivers about that, and Rivers said, yeah, I definitely thought it could have used a few more months of work or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both, Rivers. <laughs> oh, and Rick Rubin. But, so where does this record fall in in what you... I mean, I know you're probably a fan of at least something on all of them. Yes. But yeah. as far as, like, I don't know what your kind of top pick for records are, if it's still blue because you have a, a personal connection with that record, having listened to it as a kid with your dad. Um I mean, where where does this fall kind of in the ranking of Weezer records for you? Well, I'm a Pinkerton is number one kind of guy. Really? This, this is yeah. top five for me. Yeah. This is top three for me. Actually, really? yeah. yeah. It's Pinkerton, Blue, and I'm I'm not just saying this because it's new. It's been out for, what's it been, like six months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember December, Jay. Um, I really do think this is my third favorite just because of the metal guitar flourishes, yeah. the more thoughtful lyrics the um songs are just better the undercurrent of using history from the real world is something i like because (laughs) the last few records have felt like they're just in weezer world yeah where nothing in reality is actually in our reality has actually affected rivers right yeah (laughs) Yeah. this sounds like he was trying to look through history and get inspired by you know cleopatra yeah because there's there's some tunes on death the false metal which i mean could be argued shouldn't have saw the light of day but it really (laughs) clearly dictates that rivers is out of touch Mm -hmm. on some day-to-day regular human being behavior (laughs) yeah he definitely focuses on being creative and doesn't really Mm -hmm. worry about um real issues and good on them but <laughs> but it made for some awkward songs yeah <laughs> i'd no. say like my my first impression when i heard this record was anger like i i felt i felt like he knew all along that he could put a record out that sounded this classic and just didn't and i was frustrated Ooh, by that yeah. mm. um and then I, I came around i mean eventually it was i i realized that it, it had more to do with learning and growing as a songwriter and then realizing your strengths yeah. and then returning to them yeah but it did feel like had you put another year buffer between all of these records would they have been that much better i don't know i mean mm-hmm. he has so much output though like every record mm-hmm. he's writing so many songs and that I, sometimes i yeah. felt like they were all kind of watered down a little bit yeah, yeah. and I, I, I this record's definitely a breath of fresh air for me because it seems like even even the okay songs the songs that kind of fall down for me are still well thought out mm-hmm. more so than records previous to this one yeah um there's a certain theory that I have about Weezer albums, which is they're either overcooked or undercooked. Um, <laughs> yeah. Post, post oh, Pinkerton. Man. No, that, but, that's pretty insightful. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a pretty uh, economical no, it's, it's like analysis. Make Believe was completely overcooked. Um, yeah. Hurley was undercooked. Those are just some examples. And it's always like the albums that he took two years on um, are pretty good. And then the ones that he took like less than a year on, they're kind of like raw and tough to listen to. I don't know. 
but this album is the only one he's taken four years to write so it's like this little perfect balance or what have you i don't know how many songs were written for this cycle do you think i don't know yeah a lot i mean like what people don't realize is that he's been working on this record for ever since hurley came out i think um and it seems like he wasn't doing much, but he, he like you know he writes so many songs, like you said. Well, he's putting out those alone records, and yeah, that, that was uh, around Red. That oh, he okay, did most sure. of that stuff. No, I mean uh, from what I hear, he's he wrote a lot of songs for this, and just was very meticulous in creating a track list. He only wanted the best stuff to make it. And, Does he go through that stuff with Rick? Um, yeah, he sent. 100 plus songs to rick to the band he asked the band to rate the songs um you know which is kind of an interesting way to do that but whatever um they, they always have little curious ranking pro- processes mm-hmm. for all the records but that yeah. always seems to come are, down to insecurity you mm-hmm. know yep. well with this record he did three sessions there was one in november one in march and one in i think it was june or something so I thought that was interesting because usually you hear about the band doing like super long sessions and then maybe doing one more. But with this one, it seemed like he wanted to um, give himself some space and get to know what's working about these songs, what's not. I don't know. It just seemed like he he made a concerted effort to not make the mistakes of the past. So follow-up question to this. I know we'll probably start wrapping up here, but um, yeah. the... Where do you see Weezer going from here? Like, what I know Rivers has kind of made like a well, now the future is bright kind they're of defi- they're definitely going to keep attitude or like going like you had said, like a Weezer 3.0 almost, like where it's an acceptance of his strengths <laughs> 2.1. 2. Well, it's an acceptance <laughs> of, of his strengths and a little less experimental, uh-huh. a little less worried about hitting the top of the charts, um, and actually trying to put effort and time sure. into the actual composition of this yeah, stuff, yeah. Where I see Weezer going, um, if you had asked me that after Hurley and around the Memories Tour, I would have said Rivers is going to write songs by himself again. Um, but Which technically... Yeah, he did He did for British, and but he, most of this album is co-writes again. That's what I, w- I would like him to do, but I don't, I don't know what Weezer's going to do next. Um, they're playing festivals and state fairs this summer which is something that I know they were trying to do a real tour for this album, but... Um, but, like, album-wise, I mean, can you... Mm-hmm. I mean, having it probably be the most, like we said, in real-time successful mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. that he's had, that's certainly going to have an effect on how he writes the next yeah. one, right? I mean, every other record seemed to influence the following record. Yeah, yeah. I think um, what's probably going to happen is... Uh, and don't quote me on this because I'll probably be wrong, but uh, a more mature, even more mature approach to music. I know he's really proud of the Future Scope trilogy Mm -hmm. and the British are coming. So maybe an album more in that vein where he's pushing himself as a musician even further than what we heard on this one. Possibly a Maladroit 2.0. Yeah, that's right. He can go a little further than that. (laughs) Well, I thought we should take a minute maybe, and since this is the last episode, maybe Pat and I would talk about um, (laughs) what we've learned through this whole process and how exciting it's been for me and frustrating at times. Say more about that. I mean, what did you discover? What was frustrating and what was... uh, um, I I think my hypothesis from the get-go, even though I know we probably 
probably will drive Michael crazy as he listens to these episodes <laughs> in the past, and maybe a little bit today too with some hey, of the we, stuff we said. Hey, disclaimer: but we do say we are novices. This we is didn't, a we novice didn't, approach to we Weezer. Didn't expect, <laughs> we didn't expect, you know, the Weezer historian to come in. And, and frankly, uh, when they release another album, I would love to hear your perspective. We yeah, would love well, to have we're you for back sure having because, you back. Yeah, sweet. Um, but uh, I, I think that it was definitely the case that. Um, Critics especially were very quick to throw away this band multiple times without actually listening to the records in a real way or sitting with well, them even, at all. Even music fans, uh, they're, they're, they've been this band that's just kind of fashionable, fashionable to rag on. Yeah. And, um, and even I was guilty of it without even listening to their entire catalog. So, you know, it was time to put my money where, the mouth, where my mouth was and actually... Right get my own opinion uh, about it. I mean, I certainly became a bigger Weezer fan than I had expected to because I know this is not a popular opinion, but the Green Record shut me down pretty good mm-hmm. when I because I came up. I was like off. right in like eighth grade when the Blue Record came out and it was perfect for like my first bands playing. Everybody yeah. had that blue poster yep. on their wall. I knew that record from front to back. I knew Pinkerton when that came out. Oh, yeah. And it felt so jarring, especially going from Pinkerton to that really, really produced green record yep. that I thought I would never come back. It was such a so, it was such <clears throat> a jarring overcorrection. Right. Yeah. And and I was happy to be proved wrong mm-hmm. throughout this whole process. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Pat? What have you learned? Honestly, it uh, it was quite a journey because I, I had heard rumors of how uh, we we're like, oh, you're not going to actually listen to Ratitude, are you? You know, like I, I heard a lot of people when we started doing this project, we were like, oh, man, this is. So I heard a lot of uh, doom and gloom. Like, yeah, it's just Drek. Uh, it's unintelligible. It's way too sugar coated. Um, so I was expecting I was expecting the worst, but I was hopeful for the best. And I think every album has just some undeniable pop songwriting that's just fantastic. Every record has a has a great tune. Um, some records have several. Some records are actually way more solid than I ever dreamed they would be. But I do have to admit, there are some things that just make me want to give myself an, a an extra hole in the head. Right. Like it just, but uh, I think overall, uh, if we, if, you know, we like do the, the median average of the, uh, the quality of their, their catalog, I would say. Yeah. What's the percentage here? Everything was all right <laughs> in the end. I, I had to get one more in before we closed. <laughs> before we closed. Um, nice. And, and we will be putting together, I think we're going to try and put together a couple of Spotify lists. Yeah. Um, ours will probably differ a little bit, maybe 10 songs or yeah, something. Probably. And actually we encourage everyone in the Weezer community and, uh, um, who's been following Following us through this this uh, ridiculous uh, project to, to make your own lists and and you know find us on Twitter and Facebook and start a conversation. Yeah, to um, be open minded and uh, and go see Dermot, right? Absolutely, yeah. Thank, totally. Thank you for coming, <laughs> Michael. You've been is... you've been a breath of fresh air. To Seriously, have here. We I, I, I I learned something. This was this was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, to uh, just add a final word from me. Um, I try not to be an apologist for the band. You know, being a hardcore fan, it's tough sometimes. But like you said, there's just a lot of stuff in the catalog that people should check out. There's solid pop, Absolutely. power pop in there. There really is. Yeah. And uh, will you 
make sure that we're safe physically after we put up these. I can't promise anything. I'm going to be in trouble, too. I, I don't post on the, uh, uh -oh. the Weezer forum that I talked to you guys about, so they're probably going to be like, oh, man, he betrayed us. No, yeah. so so we're... Judas. Yeah, we, we, well, by the time you listen to this, you'll have found out that we're probably going to drop these kind of Netflix style. <laughs> yep. So you're going to so get all ten episodes yeah, at once. Yeah, you can, you can get all that uh, vitriol out in one, one fell swoop. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit about the direction of where the show is going to go in the future. Oh, I think you'll just have to be pleasant. All right, it sounds good. But keep, keep subscribed. But keep keep <laughs> tuning in because we, you know, we're we're not going to be we're not going to be dissing on any bands, but there's surely going to be some interesting discussions. So with what's with these homies dissing my band? We made it. <laughs> we finished it. I'm Pat Doherty. I'm Charlie Van Steep, and this is Michael Roland from Dermot. That's right. Thanks for listening, and thanks for coming on. This was, I think we all learned something. Yes, we did. 